Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and other accepted pronouns. I want to welcome you back to another commodity update by Mercado. This will be a short one this week. We'll be covering off on grains, cattle, and wool. We'll get things started, and I'll just jump straight into the grain market. Last couple of weeks has been, well, to be honest, pretty boring when it comes to the futures market. So we're not going to really talk about uh, Chicago. Futures market has just really been trading in a very narrow range. Up a couple of cents, down a couple of cents. Pretty boring. One of the things of probably note is that some of that rainfall, which uh, we were hoping was going to be pretty positive, didn't quite reach the you know the expectations that uh, everyone had. But still a long way to go. Pardon the pun, there's still hopefully a lot of water to go under the bridge between now and harvest. But some of the concerns that we have about our pricing are, are really now coming from overseas. Looking at Russia, there's a lot of, uh, well, for them, good news, for us, potentially bad news, and that they are now expecting their crop to be you know, upwards of 71 million tons, which would put it in second place, I believe, in terms of their overall record production. I just spend a bit of time this morning just quickly looking at how important Russia has become and it is quite fascinating to know that you know, 30 years ago or less than 30 years ago they were importing 15 million tons per year of wheat. Now they're exporting upwards of 40 million tons. What an advance they have made over the last couple of decades. But looking overseas, you know, Russia is looking pretty good. Europe is looking above average. United States, a bit of flooding, but shouldn't really impact the crop of wheat too much. And and also, you know, this flooding is probably set up quite well, their spring crop, when they come to plant it. So really, that's all pointing towards pretty good signals for production globally, which, which will, you know, we're based on supply and demand, our pricing. So chances are that will lead to, you know, prices continuing to be relatively relatively poor on a global basis and and that's where it comes into the fact that in Australia we've got very strong drought premiums at the moment both for uh, for old crop and and new crop but they are starting to slide a little bit especially on the new crop so the one thing I would say is I think I said this a number of times don't expect the high basis levels that we have just now to be around if we have an average crop if we have enough crop to meet our domestic demand and plus a little bit left over to export, our prices will come, come back down to ground pretty quickly. I think the main thing to look at over the next couple of weeks as we're into April, where we're going to be seeding very soon, is really looking at that, uh, that weather and hoping we get some subsoil moisture. But as we say, you know, there's a lot of people out there putting out forecasts. They're all absolute BS in all honesty because anything can happen between now and harvest. So... Really, grain market really is uh, is looking at what's happening in the northern hemisphere. Uh, it's all looking good. Not really much to add there. So, I'm going to pass you off to Matt, who's going to cover off on the cattle market. Thanks, that Andrew. Uh, we will start off with cattle markets. Um, this week, I've been looking across the strait at Tasmania, and in particular the uh, the weaner sales uh, held in Piranha. Um, we've had a month's worth of sales there now, and just been looking at the price action. I've seen some interesting things develop. Um, in terms of the average price for weaners purchased there in Tassie, uh, it's been about a 4% drop um, from prices from last year, uh, and they're fetching just under uh, 300 cents a kilo live weight. So considering what we've seen with regards to broader cattle markets and young cattle prices in particular, it's been about a 12% decline from last year's prices on, on the Eki. Um, so considering that, the uh, price of weaners have held up uh, fairly well. 
Uh, one interesting development, if you look at the breakdown of weights within those um, Tasmanian wieners, it's the heavier wieners uh, above the 280 kilo uh, you know, and then the others above 330 kilo level. Um, those two heavier categories have actually really held on to um, good price premiums when you compare where their prices are to um, to the to the Eki price uh, on the mainland. Um, and the, the, the spreads have been achieving have been significant. You, you're looking at um, this season uh, a premium spread for say your your wieners over 330 kilo. They've earned a 30% premium uh, at the moment for, from the sale so far in March. And if you cast your mind back to last year, the premium was around 17% uh, above the uh, the Eki mainland prices. So it's a doubling of the premium for last year. But if you look further back to the say the last decade or so, and not including the last two years, the the premium spread for those 330 uh, kilo wieners ranged between zero to 10% premium. So a 30% premium is significant. Um, what I think it's showing there is that there's a, there's a real interest, uh, particularly for those backgrounders and finishers that are buying cattle that are eventually going to make their way through to the feedlot. Um, they're, they're more than happy to, to pay a bit more for these heavier wieners. And I think um, what the situation is there is there's a, there's a bit of a feeling amongst cattle producers that there is going to be a significant shortage of, of quality finished cattle come, come the end of winter. Uh, and, and so I think there's, um, there's a real interest there to, to take those better quality heavier wieners and, and carry them through for a short period of time and then, and then obviously as we, as we get to those tighter times in winter um, the feedlots are going to be quite actively uh, looking for decent quality feeder cattle uh, and so I think the understanding there is that you, know, you can afford to pay up a bit more for the wieners now because there's a fair amount of surety around getting a good price for your feeders um, when you're ready to send them through to the feedlot. And I think that's the type of thing that's going to also carry through to the mainland as well with that um, interest to uh, if anyone that has got pasture or got uh, the ability to get feed uh, to, to take these animals through as far as they can and, and when we hit that winter time when there's a fair shortage of, um, of quality finished cattle the price is going to be fairly good I think. Uh, moving to uh, sheep markets, um, the uh, the real interesting point there, I guess, was um, last week we saw some very active uh, movements in the Wagga sale for, for sheep and lamb. Uh, I think what was driving that, if you look um, at some of the numbers, the, the yarding figures for the Wagga sale yard were down around 30% in terms of uh, volumes going through the sale yard, and, and that made a real impact on prices there. Um, particularly uh, you're looking he heavy weathers that, uh, that were getting over $200 a head and, and you know, the restockers and processors were actively out. Um, I think the rainfall we'd seen coming through from, from tropical cyclone Trevor or the remnants of that activity um, blowing down into those northern regions of New South Wales really, um, really got the market firing and restockers were active looking for ewes and competing with processors of that Wagga sale yard. So you saw use um, achieving you know, $150 a head and, and some reports of, of, of a few even getting into the $200 a head uh, level so that's significant. Uh, if you look at the broader marketplace however um, across uh, the whole of the country um, yardings were down around 20% so that, that rainfall activity that we saw uh, helped to um, encourage a few to, to hold back uh, to hold back, and it certainly relieved the pressure to, um, to de-stock in some areas uh, we're probably estimating that 40 to 50% of the uh, east coast uh, lamb and sheep regions, uh, that's, the, that's the area now that's probably relieved some pressure uh, to destock because of the rainfall we have been seeing across nearly half of that sheep country. Uh, if you focus in on a few of the big ones, which is what we did in the analysis this week on Mercado, 
the New South Wales Central West, which hold, is the number one spot for, for sheep in the country in terms of uh, volume of head. They, they hold about 5.7 million head of sheep there, and, and they had the best rainfall that they've had in over a year in that region in the last week. So a really good result for them and, and starting to uh, encourage people to start to consider to to reduce the restocking level and potentially even start to see if you can get some rebuild back in the flock. And if you if you look at um, the Riverina area, which is uh, the third highest spot for for uh, sheep population in the country, uh, pretty much half of that um, of that area had some really really good rainfall as well. So you got yeah, number one and number three spots in the country receiving some pretty good rain. So that was enough to lift spirits and to get the prices moving in the sheep markets. And uh, that's about it for this week. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for that update, Matt. And now I'm going to pass you off to Robert, who is going to cover off on the wool market. Okay, thanks. This week I'm going to have a look at the um, another backstory to wool, and that's the amount of revenue that's flowing back into the Australian rural landscape, I suppose, as a result of the wool clip. And um, we noted during the week that um, in the last few weeks, uh, AWI or AWEX have been publishing that the uh, average dollars per bale has been sitting above $2,000 a bale. Now, that's an extraordinary figure because it takes into account every bale that's sold, and as um, which is great. So, uh, you know, that sort of money flowing back is terrific. But we know that there are price differences from one type of wool to the other. And, and one of the ways that we look at those is via percentiles. And so the percentiles tell us how long a price is spent at a certain level, how long it's spent below that level, and how long it's spent above that level. And we use from 2004 onwards to calculate our percentiles, but it does tell a story. As we know, the drought's been having an impact. So um, the, the wool that's finer than 16.5 micron, so from 16.5 to 14 micron, it's been sitting below the current prices, even though they're good, it's been sitting below those current prices since 2004 for 78% of the time. If we take a look at the other spectrum side of the wool clip, though, the 18 microns and stronger, and in fact, if we look at 18 microns all the way up to 32 microns, which are the crossbreds, then those percentiles are sitting at the 96 to 100% level. So they've spent very little time below these market levels. So the drought is actually calculating into the prices that's being paid for wool, that is, there's more fine wool being produced, and so the supply of that is more ready, and uh, and buyers have more to select from. Therefore, their prices aren't as aren't as hot as in the medium wools where the supply is dwindling. So that's a bit of a quick snapshot on percentiles. I just want to touch quickly to finish this week on the staple strength, and we've always heard that staple strength is an important thing. In fact, the latest analysis that uh, that we published showed that. The micron ranges where staple strength is important, so we're talking about high staple strength, above 35 into 40 newtons per kilotex, is the 16 to 18 micron range. That's where it counts. The other micron ranges, it doesn't really have a big impact on. And in fact, it's even can be narrowed down even further. And it's really the 80 to 100 millimeter walls in those micron ranges where staple strength is important. So if you get over 120 mils, the improving staple strength is not a factor and doesn't carry a big premium. And if you get the shorter wools, of course, they're generally a little bit sounder anyway. So that's a bit of a background on the um, on the wool market. It continues to be a, a really positive time for wool. And uh, no doubt a lot of wool growers are rubbing their hands and thanking the stars that they're still involved in wool. That's it for me. Thanks. Well, that's our summary of the market drivers over with for this week. 
one of the things to think about as you as you're ending this week is karma. And I've got one good suggestion for how to how to improve your karma and how to get yourself some good vibes. One of the easiest ways of getting some good karma this weekend is to tell people about this podcast. You know, let your friends know, your neighbors know. Tell people how good this podcast is. Tell them to subscribe and let them know about all the insights into the industry that they can get for a pretty good price all free of charge. I'm a Scotsman. I like free stuff, so surely you do too. Over and out.